Dharma. One word, so many meanings and interpretations. Dharma comes from the Sanskrit root three, meaning to support, to hold, or to maintain. Dharma is described in early Vedic texts as laws that bring order to a universe that otherwise would be in chaos. One-word English translations of Dharma provided by scholars are numerous. Law, duty, custom, religion, path, all are regularly used. But none of those singularly hold together the multifaceted nature of the word, the many ways in which it's used. Confounding the issue are statements that are inspirational but ultimately very much subject to individual interpretation, such as this one from the Hindu epic poem, the Mahabharata. Dharma exists for the welfare of all beings. Hence, that by which the welfare of all beings is sustained, that for sure is Dharma. It's a bit circular, that, don't you think? I'm Matt McDermott, and this is all about Hinduism, episode 7. What is Dharma? broadly defined, is a set of principles and practices that both sustains the cosmic order as well as binds us in harmony with that order. It is the expectations on how we act in relationship with others. An understanding of Dharma informs how we behave and guides what we do on a daily basis as well as throughout our lives, as we all love, attempt to have a good life, look for inspiration and insight, and ultimately strive for liberation. Depending on where a person is in life, dharma manifests in different ways. Whether someone is a young student learning about the world, an adult maintaining a family, career, and all the related things that go into that, or an elder member of society providing the wisdom of their years. Each stage of life has its own dharma to follow. We don't expect children to behave as adults, adults as children, nor seniors as either group. Dharma also varies based on what one does in life. Your profession obviously plays a large part in how you spend your time, what you do and think about, and how you interact with the world. Each career path has advantages and disadvantages, obstacles and opportunities, and with that, different obligations and expectations. D.C. Rao, writing in his book, More Short Answers to Real Questions About Hinduism, notes that Dharma here can be divided into two types, Samanya Dharma and Vishesha Dharma. Quoting him, Samanya Dharma includes general laws that govern all forms and functions, including one's duty to strive towards and achieve contentment, forgiveness, self-restraint, discrimination between right and wrong, spiritual knowledge. Vishesha Dharma, or special duties, expound upon social law or the laws defining an individual's responsibilities within the nation, society, community, and family. Law according to life stage or the laws governing age-appropriate duties related to the natural process of maturing from childhood to old age, and personal law or the individualized application of dharma according to an individual's sum of past karma, intelligence, aptitudes, tendencies, physical characteristics, and community. End quote. Going back to individual paths in life, there's a temptation too often indulged to create hierarchy here. Some jobs are called clean and some dirty. Blue-collar, white-collar, 
high or low, above us or beneath us. But were it not for the labor of the garbage collector, the plumber, or the farmer, the fabric of society that clothes the businessman, the scientist, the politician, and the philosopher would quickly be threadbare and what remains filthy. The welfare of society, the welfare of all beings, go back to that opening quote, depends on the labor, the effort, and the contribution of all its members equally. Each of us has an important role to play, even if, at times, our efforts seem to have little effect. Each of us finding our path and then following it with dedication supports the intertwined relationships we all depend upon within human civilization and with all the natural world. This interdependence is found wherever we look. Rather than it being a world of competition, which has been how most of us in the Western world in particular have been taught to believe, nature functions on cooperation and generosity. Sometimes this is difficult to see at first, but it's always there. Each form of life plays its part, carrying out its dharma, supporting the community in which it lives, and ultimately supporting the cosmic order in its own unique and crucial way. This is easy to see in animals eating fruits and then dropping the seed elsewhere to sprout another plant, each party benefiting from the interaction. Out of our view, there are fungi living amongst the roots of trees which call in helper organisms when the tree is in trouble. All of life functions this way, even when at first it may not seem so. Even seemingly violent encounters, say between wolves or other large carnivores and their prey, often help maintain a larger, life-perpetuating, dynamic order. That's the mountaintop perspective on Dharma, but it's not the only valid way of looking at it. Dharma is also one of the four traditional aims of life for Hindus. According to the Vedas, the path to a balanced and meaningful existence generally requires a holistic pursuit of right actions, material security, material happiness, and spiritual liberation. This dharma, artha, kama, and moksha. Although the first three are meant to harmoniously interact to create a fabric of support for the pursuit of liberation, they also can be viewed more linearly. As proper actions help one to attain wealth, that wealth then allows access to material comforts. When people are materially content, they can more easily cultivate the peace of mind required to focus on pursuing their spiritual practices and growth. Thus, Dharma is a core foundation from which all other goals are achieved, inherently suggesting there's a right way for all people to live in order to best serve themselves and others around them. As a result, Dharma is often referred to as the law of righteousness, providing guidelines of ethics, behaviors, and traditions meant to help people fulfill the best versions of themselves. If Dharma has no single meaning that stands unchanged despite context, how can you know when an action is truly dharmic? What is the method by which people can fulfill their best versions of themselves? The answer to these questions lies in understanding the nature of a thing. Nature is inherent in the structure of a particular object, manifested as essential and irreplaceable traits or qualities. These qualities give an object its purpose, which can be described as an object's dharma. The nature of fire, for example, is to burn, as well as give off heat and light. Hence, the dharma of fire is to provide heat, light, and the ability to burn. 
The Dharma of living beings can be divided into two categories, spiritual and material. While everyone is inherently spiritual and thus eternal by nature, everyone is also encased in material bodies which manifest their own physical and psychological natures. We become the best versions of ourselves when we embrace and cultivate our natural positive inclinations and use them to uplift ourselves and others, contributing to an environment in which all can freely pursue their spiritual goals. This entails thoughts, words, and actions that exhibit compassion, truthfulness, self-restraint, generosity, patience, contentment, empathy, among numerous other values illustrated through sacred texts and stories. Such a process provides guidance, while at the same time allowing people the freedom to pursue spirituality in a way that aligns with their personalities and inclinations. Dharma can therefore be ultimately characterized as a mode of conduct most conducive for spiritual growth. Thus, the guidelines of ethics and principles like patience or truthfulness are considered dharmic only to the point they support spiritually uplifting endeavors. If such principles ever somehow get in the way of such endeavors, they can actually become a dharmic or negative actions. A good example of a traditionally dharmic principle being used adharmically can be found in India's epic, the Mahabharata, in which Krishna tells Arjuna a story about a saint who vowed to never lie. Here's that story. One day, a group of innocent people came by the man's ashram looking to hide from a gang of bandits that were chasing them. Shortly after concealing themselves, the bandits arrived and asked the saint as to the whereabouts of the innocent group. Wanting to keep his vow, he pointed to where the group was hidden, after which the bandits killed them and stole all of their belongings. The moral of the story, as Krishna points out, is that ethical guidelines should not be followed blindly. The subtleties of dharma are often difficult to understand and therefore require one to be reflective and practice careful discernment when applying the principles of religion. If spiritual growth is the ultimate aim of life, then it is the duty of every person striving to act in dharma to help create peaceful and functioning communities to support an individual's pursuit of spiritual life. Here's an example of that. Imagine a man who's a doctor. He also happens to be a husband, a son, and a father. He performs the unique duties of each role, doing things like helping his kids with their homework, working to maintain a good home with his partner, bringing his parents to doctor's appointments, and running to the hospital when his job calls for it. Depending on the situation, sometimes one duty takes precedence over the other or even conflicts like if he and his wife stay home to take care of a sick child instead of visiting his parents, a choice done to meet a greater need and a greater good. Unlike basic objects or elements, which each have purposes that are generally very easily defined, humans are complex beings who usually find themselves having to fulfill a medley of roles in relation to spirituality, community, family, and the self. As complicated as this might seem at times, it's important to always remember that creating a peaceful world which all can easily pursue spirituality begins with one's own spiritual practice. Connecting to the divine helps give one the instincts to perform actions that are inherently dharmic. In other words, regular spiritual disciplines help all other aspects of life to naturally fall into place. Today, I'd argue our understanding of the bounds of dharma should be expanded. 
personal spiritual development, as well as caring for our families and communities, all remain important. But we must consider the effects of our actions, not just on ourselves and those humans around us, but also on all beings. We are all part of one massive extended family. All of us are entirely dependent in a biological sense on the natural world for our existence. We have a dharmic duty to do our part in ensuring that we have a living landscape around us. Without a functioning, abundant, and bountiful planet, the spiritual cradle in which we all develop becomes broken. Our ability to fulfill the traditional aspects of dharma becomes all the more difficult. This means keeping an eye towards ensuring, as best as you can to your own ability, the welfare of all beings. We can do this in many ways, looking out for the poor, minimizing harm on other living beings, or protecting our environment. Though this is not always done in today's society, this ideal is nevertheless a key part of dharmic living. How we each help ensure the welfare of all beings is deeply connected to the path we take in life. In the pluralistic tradition of Hinduism, there's no one universally right path, one way of being or thinking or believing, though Hindu teachings provide guidance, sometimes strong guidance. Pluralism means that each of us has our own role to play, our own personal dharma. We can't presume what someone else's dharma might be. We're all seeing and interacting with the same cosmic order, the same creation, but from differing perspectives. We all have different likes, dislikes, abilities, Finding our own personal path, determining how we each can best contribute to society is crucially important. But there is no one right contribution. The question we must ask ourselves here is, how can I best contribute? How can I be of service? Each of us contributes in our own way. Once we discover what our own best way is, we can make our own contribution. It's not enough to simply do the minimum. This is not the meaning of finding and following one's own path, walking it lazily. Rather, truly fulfilling our dharma, or embodying dharma more broadly, means striving to be the best we can be, attempting to excel at whatever job is before us, discerning what is the right course of action in any given situation, and then following through on that selflessly. Which is the perfect segue into a discussion of one of the most misunderstood yet commonly used words and concepts in Hindu philosophy, karma. But that's for next time on All About Hinduism. This show is produced, written, and edited by me, Matt McDermott. This episode was based in large part off an article written by All About Hinduism's associate producer, Sham Allard, for the HAF blog, That's So Hindu, as well as with conceptual contributions developed a number of years ago in collaboration with Shanika Rishi Das, from the Oxford Center for Hindu Studies. All About Hinduism's academic advisor is Dr. Shreen Bala. Suhag Shukla reviews each script, making all sorts of helpful notes and suggestions. Before you go, do us a favor. Leave a nice five-star review on whatever platform you're listening to this on. Please also subscribe so you can get all the new episodes the moment they're released. And finally, help ensure that more of these get made by making a donation to HAF at hinduamerican.org slash donate.